Give him some praise in this place this morning. We serve an awesome God, amen? Oh, come on, we serve an awesome God. He's better to us than we ever could deserve. Well, we love you. Well, the psalmist said in Psalms 91 and verse 1 and 2, it says that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And listen to this in verse 2. It says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Aren't you glad this morning that we can trust him? Amen. He is faithful to us no matter what we what we go through, what we do, he is faithful. So let's worship him this morning. Amen.
when I run, it's mercy I'm tethered to. With every step, I could lie with you. Oh, like a tide wave, rushing over me, rushing into me. I come face to face with you Like a tidal wave Crashing over me Rushing into me that this morning. Lord, we love you. We lift up our hearts to you. You chase me down. You seek me out. How could I be lost with you? We've called me found. You chase me down. You seek me for the Lord this morning. Lord, we believe your love is fierce, God. Striving seems my comforter, my 
in the power of the Lord. Make a little noise for him this morning. Amen, amen. At this time during our service, we want to, we actually want to invite our prayer team down front, and we've just been praying for services this weekend, and um, one thing that we were feeling, we feel that there's a lot of people here this whole weekend that, man, you've just been praying, and you've been believing for God to do something in your life, and a person in your family's life, and you've just been believing for maybe a long time. And I just really felt strongly that God was going was gonna to answer prayers. I felt like this weekend was just a weekend of answered prayers. It was a, a weekend of breakthrough. And I want to encourage you. Um, and if you've been praying for somebody, if you've been standing in the gap for something and, and it just hasn't quite happened yet, man, maybe this weekend all you need to do is agree with someone. And I'm telling you, God can do incredible things in one moment. Um, so if any of that stuff just kind of rang in your heart, I want to invite you down. We love the opportunity to pray for you. But let's just continue in this atmosphere of worship. Amen. I 
His glory surrounds us. His fire is holy. Us, we sing. The Savior is for us. His love is victorious. Revival is rising in His name. Holy the King is among us. His glory surrounds us. His fire is holy as we see. The Savior is for us. The Savior is for us. His love is victorious. Revival is rising in His name. among us His glory surrounds us His fire is holy as we sing The Savior is for us His love is victorious Revival is rising sing it one more time, but you need to know that he is here this morning, amen, and that he is for you and he is not against you. Whatever you brought through those doors this morning, know that God is for you and he is fighting for you and he is on your side. The king is among us. The king is among us. His glory surrounds us. His fire is rolling as we The Savior is for us, His love is victorious, revival is rising in His name. Come on, if you believe that this morning, come on and give Him some real praise. He is worthy, amen. We serve such an awesome God. Nobody like Him. Hey, well, why don't you turn around to your neighbor this morning, give him a high five, tell him how happy you are to see him in the house of the Lord. Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. 
Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. so glad you're here and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. SUM Texarkana Bible College and Theological Seminary invites you to our June Expo, which will be in the Church on the Rock Connect Cafe on June 26 at 12.30 p.m. You can hear from our admissions office about all of the fully accredited classes and programs that we offer and how there's an opportunity for you to earn your seminary degree right here in Texarkana, Texas. For more information, contact Whitney Jackson or check out our website at sum.edu.
think he needs it. You got this. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you got this. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day. Excited to be in the house of God today. Awesome. We are glad that you are here. Hey, Pastor John sends his greetings. He'll be back next week. And he's starting a new series you saw all about the book of Revelation. How many people know there's some crazy things going on in our world today? And I think the Bible has a lot to say about them. So Pastor John's got a message, uh, a whole series completely uh, for that. And so I think you'll like it. Also, if you're an Arkansas voter, Tuesday is early voting. It starts. So we encourage you to get out, vote, and, uh, you know, God's going to do something amazing in our city, we believe. It's offering time. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter number 24. And as we pick up in this story, what's going on is Abraham is old. He wants to find a son for his son Isaac, so he sends his servant to go find the son. And let's look what the Bible says in verse 10. It says, Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and he went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. Verse 12 says this, And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abram. Verse 14, Let the young woman whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abram's brother, came out with water, or a water jar on her shoulder. Verse 16, The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring, she filled her jar, and she came up. Then the servant ran to meet her. He said, please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, drink, my Lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her head and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. If you finish this story on out, basically he follows her to her father's house. And a few verses later, Rebecca becomes Isaac's wife. Abraham has a son, Isaac. He marries Rebekah. And as we know, he's one of the patriarchs of the Christian and the Jewish faith. And here's the point that I want to make in that. When we give out of a pure heart, God blesses us. Amen? Rebekah, she was just going about her normal day, drawing water. This random guy comes up to her and says, can you give me a drink? And this girl says, not only will I give you a drink, but I will water 10 of your camels. Listen, this wasn't a 10-minute deal. This may have took several hours. Her kindness and her giving heart, I'm telling you, I think it put her in a position to be blessed. She couldn't have known what God was going to do. She couldn't have known just by her being kind that she would be married to Isaac. And look, I want to challenge us all today. Two things. Number one, let's be kind. It takes zero dollars to be kind. We can be kind to anybody. Let's live a lifestyle that would honor Christ and let's be kind to people around us. And number two, let's be generous and give out of a pure heart. Amen? Listen, a lot of times we can give, but not really wanting to give. Let's give cheerfully and let's bless the Lord. Amen. God bless you as you give. I've heard a thousand stories in the wild.
Father's Day, why don't we sing this one more time to our Father in Heaven. We've got a good Father. Amen. Let's just sing with all our hearts. Thank Him. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, you are eyes a moment and talking to our Father in Heaven just say I love you Daddy just tell him that in your heart just listen you might get a thought other than yours and tell you he wants to communicate his love to you he loves his sons and daughters amen amen, amen. thank you Jesus well hallelujah well turn to somebody tell them they're looking marvelous today and you may have a seat thank you Jesus you're worthy. Good to see everybody here. Happy Father's Day. And does anybody have a weapon with them? Sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. If you believe it really is powerful, then let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. Na, na. Even in the back row. Na, na, na. Yeah, yeah, okay. If you believe that, repeat after me. Say, this Bible has the power. To change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world take shaker. World shaker was that one. This Bible, a truth detector, sin deflector, faith inflator. I'm going to read it now and I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap so I know I'm in the right house. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're talking about choices. You know, there's a road that leads to heaven, and you can't get there on the freeway of compromise or by living in the city of conflict. The Bible says there's a narrow road that leads to life or to heaven, and there's a wide road that leads to destruction. You can't even achieve basic goals and dreams by going down the path of least resistance, let alone experience the abundant life that God has for us. You know, a lot of times we tend to blame Adam and Eve for the, the situation we're in. If they just wouldn't have made that choice back then, things would be different. But you know, we are given choices every day, and we still choose. We choose life, or we choose death. We choose blessings, or we choose cursings. And before we go and look at the original story here in Genesis, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to open your word, and we believe your word is alive. We believe by the power of your spirit, it'll communicate to every one of us in here, no matter how young we are or how old we are, by the power of your spirit. And I pray you'll come today. Open our eyes in any ways we're deceived. Lord, those that don't know you, I pray they'll just be overwhelmed by your love today. 
And we just want to say we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis 2, verse 7. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put men whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So you got two trees. The tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God commanded, verse 16, man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it you will surely die. Genesis 3, 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. For God knows in that day you'll eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the garden. See, they had a relationship with God. God would walk and talk with them. And immediately when this happened, they heard the Lord. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Does God know where Adam's at? Yes, but where's this relationship? Something's changed. So he said, I heard your voice. In the, this is Adam. I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. Now, I want you to go back to that original verse we read, Genesis 2, 7. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He became a living being. Okay? So Adam's source of life is his father. That's where he got life. That's where he was made alive. And when God said, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, this was not a threat. This was a warning. Just like when you warn your children and say, don't touch that hot stove, you get burnt. That's not a threat. That's a warning. God made this beautiful garden, put everything in there for indescribable joy and happiness to have a completely fulfilled, happy life. But in order that we might have a will and a free will, he gave us the moral option of a choice. That way we're not puppets. We're not like, and we have the free will to choose whether we're going to love him, to choose what we're going to do. He gave us that ability. And I bet they walked away after they ate of that fruit, and they took a few steps thinking, we didn't die. Man, this serpent was right. Here we are. But something began to change. They began to sense that conflict in their life because immediately they hid, immediately tried to fix things, didn't they? And here's the thing. Everything changed. They lost their connection. They died that day spiritually. Their relationship died. And everybody from that point on is dead. The Bible says we are dead in our sins. We're dead in our trespasses. That's why you must be born again. Your spirit man needs to come alive because it's dead because of sin. And when you invite Christ in your life, then it becomes alive again and you get reconnected to the life source. At this point, all, once he lost that connection with God, that life source, at that point, all he has to make decisions is himself and the knowledge of good and evil. Think about that. It's a tree that part of the branches are good and part of the branches are evil. Now, we spend a lot of time trying to get out of the evil branches and do good things. 
And here's the problem with that. We say things like, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to fix this thing. I'm going to find a way to work it out. And all of our efforts keep us in bondage. It ends up being a vicious cycle. See, we pursue freedom. And the very things we pursue lead us into bondage. I mean, I, when I was a, a teenager, I mean, I had some, some standards and some things kind of going by from Sunday school, but, you know, the peer pressure starts to get to you, and pretty soon we're out jogging and, and uh, you know, doing our track practice, and what do we find in the ditch? Some older kids are throwing away some beer. So, you, you know, we know enough we don't want to drink hot beer, so we throw it in the horse tank, and we're going to come back the next day. And just that kind of peer pressure, and that just kind of opened a door. And then after that, I could start seeing the bad decisions that were kind of made when I started heading down that road. But I thought that would give me freedom because I was so shy, afraid to talk to girls. And then if I just drink, man, I, start, I might not make any sense, but I was talking. Maybe making a fool of myself. And, you, you, and it's just the grace of God that I'm here today. You know, you have fast cars, and, and one time, you know, I'm chasing my buddy around, and we've been drinking, and he cuts through a wheat field, and so, man, I'm right after him, through the ditch, through the wheat field, and it's going fine until just, boom, everything stops. I hit this piece of equipment called a harrow, and I'm just lodged on it. And at this point, that decision I made, that choice I made, now when the police show up, and I can't move my car, and I have to come up with $500 for a fine for ruining this guy's wheat field, and that's just, you know, that's kind of funny, but, you know, I know if I'd have continued in that path, I would not have been married 35 years to this same woman. I would not be standing up here preaching today because that thing I thought was going to give me freedom would have put me in bondage without question. And there's people in this room, how many have been set free from that bondage, drugs or alcohol? I'm telling you, praise God. I'm not trying to put a standard on you, but this is something the Lord kind of did in my heart and set me free from it. You know, we're filled with choices. The choices you make today are going to determine your destiny. There's a wide road and a narrow road. And I think the problem is there's, we just we, we think there's more than 50 shades of gray. I'm telling you, it's black or white. It really is. It's heaven or hell. You're a sheep or a goat. And when we get down to the wire, it's going to be well done, good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I don't know you. And it's one thing if we think we're on one road, but we end up on another road. That's going to be a shame. It really is. And most people choose the path of least resistance. But the Bible says we're to pick up our cross and follow him. We're to die to ourselves. We're to have no other gods before him. We're not to have other people or things before God. So the question is, who do you follow? Who do you serve? Joshua asked that question to the children of Israel. And you know what Joshua said? Because they were wavering and back and forth. He said, as for me and my house, what are they going to do? We're going to serve the Lord. And again, just think, driving down one road, and you end up in some other place. You know, my son and I decided to take a road trip. I got this thing called a rat rod. It's a 35 Ford pickup with a diesel motor and a Camaro front end. And just, you know, rat rods are just no rule cars. You just kind of, I got a lot of the parts of the flea markets and whatever. But we took a road trip, and it's all the way to Gulfport, Mississippi. And I don't think any parts even fell off the car. We made it all the way. But it starts, Jackson, Mississippi, it starts raining. And it's raining hard. We're driving a good hour, hour and a half in the rain. And it starts to lighten up. So it's lightening up. And we're going to pull in and get some fuel. So I pull in. Somebody's kind of on my side that I need to get my fuel in. So I go around, turn around. And we fuel up, get something to drink. And now we're Willie Nelson and back on the road again. And the thing is, the rain goes from lighter. And it starts getting heavier again. And we're driving, I'm good an hour, 20 minutes into this, and I'm thinking, we should be coming to Hattiesburg. 
That's the next place we come to. And I should be seeing a sign anytime. And I'm just, I'm not seeing anything. And finally I see a sign. And what does that sign say? Jackson, Mississippi. That means I turned, I've drove an hour and a half back the way I came from, not even realizing it. I was sincere in my heart. I mean, I was sure I was going to Hattiesburg. And so now I turn around and drive back through the rain again just to get back to where I started. But, you know, there's a lot of people in their religion or in their faith that are sincere. I mean, this weekend I had to, I mean, I ran across somebody that's Jehovah's Witness. The next business I went to, uh, invited, if they go to the church, they go to the king, and I realized they're Mormon. And I thought, and some of these are the nicest people. But, you know, I don't care how sincere you are, you are. You get on a plane that's supposed to go to Philadelphia, and like I did, I left from Texarkana, ended up in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm going on, you know, just continuing my flight to Philadelphia. The stewardess kind of, I'm just fall asleep. The stewardess wakes me up as we're sitting there waiting for the plane to take off again. She says, uh, you know, where are you going to? Could I see your ticket? Well, I'm going to Philadelphia. Well, the problem is this plane's not going to Philadelphia. you got to change planes. And so now I'm running through the airport with five minutes to go to try to make my plane. What I'm saying is no matter how sincere you are, just, I mean, it, Buddha could be, a, you know, a great thing, Muhammad a great person, but you know what? Unless they, and here's the problem with some of those other religions I just mentioned, they don't believe Jesus is God. That's where the bottom, they don't believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that three or one. They believe he's a good man, a great man. They'll talk about Jesus, preach about Jesus, but the thing is, he has to be God. Not just man, but he has to be God for that price to be paid for our sins, to bring us life. That's the only way it could happen. Amen? You might, they might call us narrow-minded, but you try putting water in your, gas, in your gas tank today and see how far you make it. It takes one thing. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. And I'm, there's got to be a way to communicate that even in love. With the, with the changed life, I think, is the biggest thing, which brings me to let's check what road we're on. Let's see if we're on the road to heaven or not. Let's take our road map out and see. And most vehicles have gauges, don't they? And some, some pretty fancy ones right now. You've got the directional ones. You know if you're going north, you know if you're going south. There's a temperature gauge that says you're hot or cold. And we need to be hot or cold, don't we? Not just lukewarm. But there's four gauges I want to look at, and they all start with the letter C. The first one is change. Say change. See, if you have Jesus in your life and really have submitted your life to him, humbled yourself, bowed down to him, there should be a change in your life. You can argue philosophy, you can argue religion, but it is hard to argue a changed life. Does anybody see a change in their life? And here's the thing. Even if you're a very young person and you grew up in church, grew up in a Christian family, you know, there's some powerful testimonies. I was always kind of blown away by these guys. Man, I was on drugs, and, and then I killed three people, and they were getting ready to stick the injection in my arm to put me, and then God showed up and saved me, and, and here I am preaching the word, whatever it is. Just big testimonies. But you know the most powerful testimony is the keeping power of God. A young person that gives their life to the Lord, and they don't go out there in the world, and they follow God all their life. Isn't that a powerful testimony? Some of you young people, let's give them up. I mean, I'm, I know some of them that have been following God. But there needs to be a change. Even if you grew up in church, there should be a change from your lifestyle compared to the lifestyle of everybody else in your school or work or business. You should see a change in your life. See, there was a time I said the prayer to ask Christ into my life because I didn't want to go to hell. And I heard somebody say it, so I just say, okay, God, come into my life, but get in the back seat. You know, and I just continue to do things my way. And I'm telling you, I was living in the city of conflict. That was the worst time trying to straddle a fence and trying to, you know, act one way and be another way. It just didn't work. 
And then I really got sincere with the Lord. And I don't know what it was, but I know a change began to happen in my life. I began to have a peace I didn't have. So you know Isaac's, Isaac Newton's first law of motion, everything continues at a state of rest until it is compelled to, be, to change by forces impressed upon it. So it'll remain at rest until there's forces compelled to change it. I'm telling you, when you really ask Christ in your life, there'll be forces in there that'll compel you to change. It really does. You just want to be more like him. You want to do the right thing. Have you had an encounter, a real encounter with God? You know, there's two reasons why people change. One is they're forced to change. It's like the guy that's always in trouble with the law, and he finally goes to the priest for confessional, and he tells the priest, he says, Father, I'm changing my ways. And the priest looks at him and says, Son, is because you saw the light? He said, No, I felt the heat. Two ways. You either change because you feel the heat or you see the light. You feel the heat, it forces you to change. You see the light, it inspires you to change. Has anybody seen the light? Amen. And you could be here, and maybe you're just stuck in a rut. You don't know how you got there, but you're just stuck. You know a rut is just a grave with the ends kicked out? You could be kind of playing church on Sundays and living like the devil on the, during the weekdays, like I did for a while. But it's amazing how sometimes we just continue to do things over and over and expect different results. You know that's the definition of insanity, right? Same thing over and over. You're not going to get different results. I was amazed when I read this story about the railroad, how it came to America and, you know, all that industrial age. And what happened is, why are the railroad tracks four feet, eight and a half, eight and a half inches apart? Why did they decide, hey, let's go there, eight and a half inches? Well, you know why they did? Because the people building the train were Britons. They were from England. And that's what they did in England. So they just brought it over here. That's what they knew. And then why did they build the trains like that in England? Because the trolley cars earlier had that distance of four feet, eight and a half inches. Well, why would they do that? Because the wagons were built like that. The horse-drawn wagons had that same standard. Well, why that? Because they had to build the wagons that way to fit in the ruts that were already in the road. This goes all the way back to the Roman Empire. They built the chariots that way, so when they put two horses side by side, they would have that distance. And they just continued to do it. I'm telling you, here's the good news about when you come to the house of the Lord, a spirit-filled, Bible-believing church that people have been praying for you this week. In one instance, God can come and change things. You've been trying for years. Because that garden, that when you just try to operate in self and the good and evil and try to do more good, we try to fix things. And you might not put fig leaves over things, but men know about duct tape, right? And we can use that to fix anything. But you can't fix your spiritual problems at all. And that's where you need an encounter with God. And I'm telling you, something could happen today on Father's Day. Amen? Amen. Here's the thing about real change. It starts with a new life, not turning over a new leaf. Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. See, the very heart of the Christian faith revolves around change. It's not turning over a new leaf, but starting a new life. And God can help you do that. Change is not a destination. It's a process. Philippians 1, 6, He that began a good work in you, what's he going to do? He's going to finish it under completion. Just let him work on you. Let him have his way. Don't fight him. How many have fought him? I'm t- <laughs> he can win, right? And I'm going to give you this little nugget today for some in this crowd. You just as well give in. 
you got a grandma praying for you. You got a mother praying for you. You got a wife praying for you. You got somebody praying for you. I'm telling you, God's going to get you. He's going to. He loves you that much. That fierce love we sang about. He's going to get you. And he, it'll be a good thing. Amen? Let's talk about the next C. Committed. Say committed. So there needs to be a change, and you need to be committed if you're a follower of Christ. You know, when I got married 35 years ago, and I put on this ring, that's the day I said, I'm committed to Sharon. That's it. There's nobody else. And by God's grace and staying off of some of their roads, the commitment held. And I say, praise God for that. But that's what we've got to do with Jesus. It's like marrying. And we're not going to continue to date the world. A matter of fact, some of you need to get rid of some articles of affection. It took a little while, but I got rid of some of the old pictures of the girlfriends. And, you know, maybe the little thing I had from prom or something. And just realized, you know, I don't want that in my life. Some of you got some articles of affection from the world that you need to get rid of. That just kind of remind you of some things there or, or your connections to the world. Just a little side note. The other services didn't get that. You're special today. Look at your name and say, I'm special. Talking about committed. You know, the chicken and the pig, they were having a conversation that they really do talk. I think there's a movie coming up. They're going to talk about how your pets talk and what they do. Not that I'm endorsing that in any way. I haven't seen it. But anyhow, they're talking about the community, how there's homeless people, there's hungry people. What can we do to make a difference? And so the chicken comes up with this great idea. Why don't we have a ham and egg breakfast? That'll help them. Well, the pig looked at him and said, you know, for you that's a contribution, but for me that's a commitment. And we're talking about picking up our cross and following Christ. We're talking about dying to self. We're talking about commitment. Amen? You know, in the first season of the TV show 24, Keith Sutherland plays the, jo the role of Jack Bauer. His first assignment is to protect the presidential candidate from an assassination plot. And right away he goes and shakes things up because he sees even people in his bureau are not doing things right. And he kind of calls some of them on the carpet. And, and so basically he's got some people against him. His integrity is checked out right away. And his boss comes to him and says, you know, you need to kind of calm down a little bit. You don't have to be so truthful. He walks away from that meeting and talks to one of his friends. And this are the words he said. You can look the other way once. It's no big deal. Except it makes it easier for you to compromise the next time. And pretty soon, that's all you're doing, compromising. Because that's how you think things are done. You know those guys I blew the whistle on? You think they were the bad guys? They weren't the bad guys. They were just like you and me, except they compromised once. Are you committed? Maybe you need the Lord to give you a sign. <coughs> a sign. Or two or three or six. But think about these signs. When you look back here at the start, convenience or conviction. These are like access roads, okay? You drive around the city, you got access roads. But at some point, you got to make a choice. At some point, it's going to lead you onto a freeway. And if you hang around the access road of convenience, you're going to end up on the freeway of compromise. And what city does that take you to? The city of conflict. And when I say conflict, that's that place where you really don't have peace in your life. You could be a Christian, call yourself a Christian, come to church. But I'm telling you, you get up in the morning after doing something that night, and you just don't have, there's a conflict when you want to talk to God, you want to pray with God, but you just hang your head down low. And you just feel guilty. It's that place of conflict. And I spend some time there. It's not a good place. And even when you're walking the walk, and committed to Christ. There's times you realize, how did I get over here? How did I end up kind of doing something convenient and end up compromising some reason? And you can just feel that conflict coming up. 
It's not a good place to be, is it? And there's only two destinations at the end of the freeway called life. It's heaven or hell. It's one thing if you're defying God, calling yourself an atheist, you know, sticking your nose up to God, and you're, you're partying and going on the highway to hell, and you get to the end, and you say, oh, man, this was real. You know, I should listen to something. But what if you were really thought you were on the right road, and you get to the end of this thing, and what do you hear? Depart from me, I don't know you. And it says that in this word, people that were prophesying and doing all the church stuff. Man, I want to know if we're on the right road or not. This access road. The thing is, when you stay on the road of conviction, it'll lead you to what? The freeway of commitment. And then you end up in the city of confidence. What is the city of confidence? Man, the Bible says don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. That's where you come boldly to the throne of grace. And, don't, and even if you end up on that road, don't believe the enemy when he tries to use condemnation and say you're, you're not worthy to get in the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you, as a child, you're always worthy to get in the presence of the Lord. Condemnation pushes you away from the cross. It pushes you away from reading your Bible. It pushes you from going to church. Man, this is the hospital you need to be in, right? There's none of us perfect. But I tell you, God wants to help you make some U-turns today for some of you. Going back to this place right here. Pastor not very long ago preached about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You should know the story, right? I mean, the king makes this huge idol. The music's going to start, and everybody has to do what? They have to bow down. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are right here at this crossroads. You know, they kind of know what to do, but I'm telling you, it gets a little closer to the time. Everybody's gathering. You know, the band's up on the stage. They unveil the big idol. The strobe lights go on it. The guitar player's getting ready to play. You know, right at that point, they're starting to sweat. And they kind of look down, and all of Shadrach looks at Meshach and said, Man, your sandal's loose. Man, you better take care of that. You're gonna, you could trip over it. And he, Yours is loose, too. And, and Abednego, look. And it could have been a very convenient time just to bow down and kind of tighten things up a little bit. And just, you know, they could have just, isn't it amazing how we reason things back here? Well, you know, it's not that big a deal, or it's just a little white lie. I'm just fibbing a little. But you end up on this access road, it's going to lead you to compromise, isn't it? But they took a stand, and guess what? When you take a stand for God, he'll stand up for you. And he delivered them. He got there right in with them in the midst of that fire. He really did. So how do we get pulled into this highway of compromise? I think Psalm 1 is a perfect picture. Blessed is the man who walks not, watch the process, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, in which he meditates day and night. You know, sometimes we always focus on the bad. Sometimes just focus on the good. Just read this. It'll help you not to, want, not to want to do the bad, all right? However you say that. But think of the process. First, he's walking. It's kind of like first you're looking, listening, and then lounging. See, he's walking, and he's kind of over, oh, that sounds kind of fun. Oh, and teenagers, listen to me. Because why do we get into this compromise? Peer pressure. We, it's popularity. It's friends. We want to, and that's when we kind of, we get away from our standards and we start like maybe cussing a little bit or lying a little bit or drinking, whatever those things are. And it leads us down a wrong road. But first, they walk. It says they walk. Don't walk with them. And then what happens when you walk? Pretty soon you stand. And now you're listening to them. Now you're kind of agreeing to the point where you sit down with them. And at that point, I'm telling you, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And sometimes, well, it's a little rude just to walk away, isn't it? I'm telling you, you need to be rude sometimes in a very loving way. But there's some rude things happen very rudely in the Bible when Jesus said, hey, if you want to follow me, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he started walking. And a lot of them decide, I'm not going to walk with you. 
I mean, there's some tough things sometimes. But I'm telling you, it's worth living in this way. And you know those very people, that young people, the ones that laugh at you? I've heard story after story out of our youth group and people I know that pretty soon the ones that are making fun of them, they're coming to you for prayer. They're coming to you and say, I really need what you got. Because they realize there's not satisfaction on that road at all. The world, I'm telling you, it's a lie what the enemy offers. So things that will get you on that path, peer pressure, your own desires, the devil, convenience. And here's the thing about desires and needs, especially in relationships. A hungry need is a dangerous need. That means if you are so lonely, if you have to needs have somebody to need you, I'm telling you, those can be dangerous needs. That's where you got to find out who you are in Christ and have a confidence there. And it's not by having a, 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 a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You better get things right in here first. Amen? Galatians 1.10 says, Do I seek to please men? And we all get people pleased, and we want friends. But it says, do I seek to please men? For I am, if I please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. God says you can't be in love with the world and in love with him. We have to make a choice. And I'm telling you, there's some pretty serious judgment by God when it comes to compromise. I mean, you can start back with Noah. Wiped out a whole, everybody, animals, everybody, children, because of compromise. And you can go on to the children of Israel. I mean, the ground opened up and swallowed people for sexual compromise, or they worshiped the wrong way. And you got a guy, Uzziah, who's trying to do the right thing. It might have been a good idea, but it was not a God idea when he puts his hand on the ark. And if his leader would have just done things the right way in the first place, it wouldn't have happened. And he's dead. And you can go to the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira, just fibbed a little bit, lied a little bit. Boom. What happens to them? And then you go all the way to the book of Revelations. Those that put up with that spirit of Jezebel, there's going to be judgment there. And I'm not trying to come at you with, we just sometimes got to open our eyes. It really is black and white. But here's the thing of all that. What leads us to repentance? The Bible says the goodness of God. And so I'm not up here trying to, you know, set fires under your seat or anything like that. Uh, Sean, would you turn the heat up a little bit? If we get toward the end here. But maybe the Holy Spirit's going to turn up the heat in our hearts. Because I'm not there yet. I can still think, man, if some of our men were where we needed to be, we'd have revival right now. But you know it can happen in a moment. It really can. Because we can't do it ourselves. No matter how much we try or live in the good branches or whatever it is, we need to move a God. Let's talk about changed, committed. The next one is Christ-like. Say Christ-like. The bracelets, remember those with the initials? W, W, J, D. What would Jesus do? I mean, what would Jesus do? Every crossroad you're at. And to thank God, when Jesus left, he said, I'm sending you a helper. I'm going to send somebody to help you know. Isn't it great to have that little check in your spirit? How many of you messed up and you realized, oops, that was, I, I shouldn't have done that. You had that check first. The check engine light. The check spirit light came on. As a matter of fact, started honking. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. Yeah, but boom. And Oh, I sh here I go again. I think I'd learn. Christ-like, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable God, that is our reasonable act of service. Do not be conformed to what? To this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Another version says, don't copy the behavior or customs of the world. How can you not sin? How can you not copy the behaviors? David said, I hid this word in my heart. The Bible says to renew our mind with this word, the washing of the water by the word, to let this word wash over our uh, culture brainwashed minds and get back on track. 
Christ-like. You know, there's a commercial back in the 90s, uh, a Gatorade commercial. And it was Be Like Mike. I mean, nice shaved head, great athlete. Who wouldn't, be, who wouldn't want to be like Mike? Only this Mike was Michael Jordan. How many grew up with that commercial? You know, many of you a little younger than me. But I still wanted to be like Mike. But the thing is, there was kids trying to imitate him, do all that stuff. I'm telling you right now, more than ever, America needs to see us be like Jesus. I mean, he needs it with all the turmoil, all the tension, all the division. I mean, we need to see some Jesus around here. And God can do that. So the last C is challenge. Say challenge. That's where we need to challenge each other to good works. That's what the Bible says. Encourage, challenge each other to good works. We need to be so like Christ that the world will take notice. They really will. And I want to kind of look as we end with a guy in the Bible by the name of Daniel. And he is a guy that took a stand. And I'm telling you, God, there was a test, but he passed the test. And God blessed him and promoted him. But Daniel, one of the uh, most top ten popular Bible stories there is, is Daniel in the lion's den. And you should know the setup, okay? Because he, got, he's just getting promoted and promoted and promoted, and then he hits this place. His peers and other people are jealous. So they deply, devise this plot. They go to the king who really likes him, kind of tricked the king a little bit, and said, hey, why don't we decree a law? Anybody that prays to anybody but you gets put to death. Well, that sounds good. Signs the decree. And here's what happens with Daniel. Let's look at verse 10 of chapter 6. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home into his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day, prayed, gave God thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. He had a relationship with God, and nothing was going to change that. You know what? I think it would have been very convenient at that point for Daniel when he goes to his window and the Texas heat or the Egyptian heat is just shining in there and he's thinking, man, I am pretty fair-skinned. I don't want to get melanoma. You know, I shouldn't be hanging around this window. And, and by the way, I'm feeling the Lord telling me I need to really not be so public with my Christian faith. I may need to go to my closet and pray today. You know, that would have been very convenient, Right? But he had standards. He wasn't going to back down because of that law or decree. And guess what? He was thrown in. There was consequences. See, there will be a test. Young people, there will be a test. I guarantee you, your faith will be tested. And here's the thing. You could set up some standards and say, you know, uh, let's say the youth, and they are going to spring break. They're probably going to, not spring break, but camped in Florida. And you could be thinking during the summer, man, I'm getting off track. I'm watching TV, stuff on TV I shouldn't. I'm looking at stuff on my computer I shouldn't. And you get about time to leave on the bus to go to camp. And then you finally say, you know, God, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm not going to watch any dirty stuff on TV. I'm not going to look at my computer. But what's the situation is you're not going to have any TV. You're not going to have any computer at youth camp. And so what kind of a commitment is that? Not much of a test. It's like when a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it. Did it make a sound? I mean, if, you, if your love's really not tested, is it really love? And there's going to be a time there's going to be a test. And God don't test you with disease and stuff like that. He's a good teacher. He's a good father. But I'm telling you, a teacher's going to say, hey, did you, did you learn enough that you can go to the next level and get promoted? Are you faithful with a little? I can give you more? That's the way it works. Daniel, let's see why he was able to stand. Say stand. 
We're going to take that word stand, which is a part of standards, and see why he was able to stand. The S stands for separated. Say separated. See, Daniel was separated to God and from the world. And you really need to do that. And it's not easy in this day and age. But 2 Corinthians, New Testament verse, chapter 6, verse 17. Come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. I will receive you. You should be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Sometimes you just got to kind of separate yourself from some of that stuff. We really do. And it's, you know, it's not the water in the lake that will cause people to drown. It's the water that gets in your lungs. And so we can be in the world, but not of the world. And that's the challenge. And the Holy Spirit can help you do that. The, in the, word st- the T in the word stand is Daniel talked with God. Say talked with God. That means he had a relationship. He walked and talked with God. And that's what helped him to stand. See, uh, you got to be strong on the inside so you don't get crushed from the outside. To not be conformed, to not be shaped by this world, you got to have something strong on the inside. And that's where this word comes in so powerful. Some of you need to start a new diet and start eating from these 66 basic food, food groups called the Bible. And I'm going to tell you, it'll make you strong. It really will. There was a submarine back in, I think, 63 or 64 that went down too far. And something like 143 men and women were killed because the pressure on the outside of the submarine was greater than the inside, and it collapsed it. And I'm telling you, that can happen to us. You know what made the difference in my life? When somebody, I was wanting more of God, I'd give my life to Christ and really started getting serious, but somebody prayed I'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know that speaking in tongues and all that stuff? And they actually prayed in tongues and laid hands on me, and I felt, I began to cry. I mean, the presence of God was so strong, and I said, this is it. And you know what? It was a that moment, the next day after I received the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, that I witnessed to my neighbor the next day. I started having a strength in the inside where I stopped compromising. I started saying no to those kids that were pulling, those other teammates who were pulling me off course. I'm telling you, he can give you that strength. He really can. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The letter A in the word stand is always serving. Let's say that together. Always serving. You know, after he was thrown in the lion's den, you know what the king said? Verse 4. 16, your God, whom you serve continually, will deliver you. He served him continually. I'm telling you, you do something for God, he'll do something for you. It's not just a switch you flip on and off. This is a 24-7 thing. As a matter of fact, if you're doing that, you're kind of flipping the switch and doing this and that, today's the day God can get you off of that road and get you back on the right road. Like that, he can do that. He really can. The end is never settle for just getting by. Never settle. It says in Daniel 6.3 that Daniel had an excellent spirit. That means we need to be faithful. And when you're faithful to little, God will trust you with more. We need to be finishers. Can God depend on you? Can the church depend on you? Can your family, your friends depend on you? God can give you that kind of spirit. And the last letter is the letter D. It stands for don't eat from the world's table. Let's say that together. Don't eat from the world's table. Remember back at the start of Daniel? when all four of those boys were uh, taken slaves and brought in and they were going to make Daniel and Meshach and Bendigo and all those guys, they were going to make them their trophies. They gave them to the eunuchs and they became eunuchs. And, they, and then at that point, the king says, give them all the wine they want, all the meat they want, red meat. We're going to make them big and buff and strong. They're going to be my trophies. But you know what Daniel said? I've got these certain standards. I can't eat this food and that food. I don't want to, you know... I want to stick with my standards. So they went to the head guy, and they said, hey, could you give us a little grace here? And the guy said, I'll give you a week or so. And if you don't look as good, I I don't want to lose my head over the deal. But guess what? 
what happened? They looked buffer, better, bigger, stronger, faster than the rest of them. And God honored it, and it blessed him, and he continued to get promoted. And what does that mean for us? we got to be careful what we put in these eye gates and ear gates because you are what you eat. You really are. And it can make a difference. And sometimes when you're on a diet, I mean, all you're doing is look at the stuff you shouldn't eat. Man, just start doing the stuff you should eat, and it can make a huge difference. It really can. Let's finish up here. You know, there's going to be tests. Daniel, in this case, was set up by the enemy. And when the enemy, what does he do? He walks around like a roaring lion. And I want to tell you, there's been an attack for a lot of you people. This week, I mean, just over Texarkana, a lot of things happen. I mean, a little child ends up, you know, shooting himself with a gun, and we got people dying on the interstate. I was in a car wreck three hours before the message yesterday, and it was a car I'd spend months on finally fixing. Well, the first day I drove it, and boom, in an intersection. And all those dreams just kind of went out the window. And I'm telling you, there's an attack going on. But you know what? When you stand up to the threats of the enemy, God will devour your enemies. He really will. At least I was able to go home to my wife and my kids. Somebody on the interstate wasn't able to do that. And I know there's people in this room, you're going through some things today. You wonder how you're going to make it. I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord is here to get you on the right track, if that's the case, or to just to remind you, I'm for you, not against you, or to say this. When my daughter was born premature, I didn't have a big relationship with God. I had just given my life to the Lord four days before. The doctor says she wouldn't walk or talk. And I had this thought, everything's going to be all right. I didn't realize that was the voice of the Lord. And I'll tell you, God can speak a word to you before we end this service. Daniel's life, nothing was hidden. He was an open book. He was a faithful person. Wouldn't it be a blessing if our government leaders were that way? Let me give you just a sampling of their integrity. This is the 100th Congress who met from January 3rd, 1987 to January 3rd, 1989. 27 were arrested for spousal abuse. Seven convicted of fraud. Nineteen arrested for writing bad checks. 117 bankrupt two or more businesses. Fourteen arrested on drug charges. Eight arrested on shoplifting charges. Twenty-one with lawsuits against them. Eighty-four charged with drinking while intoxicated. Any wonder America's in the shape it's in. But you know, statistically, it's not much better in the church and not much better in the pulpit, just to be truthful. We need to change, don't we? You know, revival. We sang about it. Cannot it happen here? Cannot it happen right now, right where we're at? You know, Father's Day, 1995, about the time we built Powerhouse, there was a revival on Father's Day. I don't even know what the message was. But I promise you, I bet there were some men that humbled themselves that day because a revival started in Pensacola at Brownsville, Assembly of God. It went on for years and years, people being saved. We took our youth group down there, I don't know how many times, and people getting saved and families getting changed. It can happen any time. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. You know, Daniel, a man of commitment, and we saw his story. There was one other person, a man by the name of Samuel. He had some standards, but he kind of went down this road. I mean, he wasn't supposed to drink wine, wasn't supposed to cut his hair, wasn't supposed to touch anything dead. And in convenient situations, he broke all those. Said he was in a vineyard. And it doesn't say specifically he drank, but how do you allow somebody to cut all your hair off and not even know what's going on? So whatever it was, he ended up in the city of conflict. And here's what I want you to remember about that. The end of the story of Samson, walking around like an animal, treading grain, and all the people making fun of him. But that's not the bad part. They gouged his eyes out. If you spend very much time in the city of conflict, you're going to lose your spiritual sight. You're going to lose your discernment. 
And I'm telling you, that's a good thing about a day like today. For a moment, no matter where you're at, your eyes can be open. Your heart can begin to feel something again. Because you continue to sear your conscience, you're not going to feel it anymore. But today, I'm praying you'll feel it if that's the case. If it's one person in here. Nick's already up here. You know what? How about we get some men that are willing to humble themselves right now? I want to call some men to the altar. I don't care. Uh, You could just be coming up here on behalf of the church, on behalf of our nation, but I just want to kneel before the Lord a little bit. That's just humbling ourselves, just a sign. God, come do something. And when you're kneeling, you might be praying for somebody else. You might be needing something in your life. But I'm calling the men to come up and kneel. If you're not physically able to, then you can just kind of bow your heart or your knee or raise your hand. But those that can in the aisle, in the altar, let's just kneel down and let's just sing this song one time to the Lord and realize he's a, what he's doing. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, man, let's just bow our hearts before the Lord. For our nation, for our church, for our city. last night say if I could just get the men to come to their knees he'd take care of the rest so I'm just going to believe whatever's going on in your life again he knows what you're doing he knows where you're at and he's still for you you may not be where you used want to be but you're not where you used to be he's for us you're here for such a time as this this day there's a specific reason you're here and just look at me before we close you know, there was a big redwood tree in California, 400 years old. It put up with four centuries of wind and tornadoes and hurricanes and lightning, and it survived. And then one day it just fell to the ground. The investigators looked at it, and they found out there was tiny little beetles that had got in there and ate away the very core of it. And you know what? You show some be somebody who's compromised in their life. You look back a few years ago, it started way back then. Those little steps. If your marriage is in trouble, it was probably some big thing. It's a bunch of little things. And the thing is, God will give you the power to make a U-turn today. And better yet, He can take you off of that road. I care if you're in that city. He can pick you up and in one moment move you over there. He really can. So I'm going to ask you one question before we go. This is the men, the women, the children. Are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? I don't want you to leave this room thinking you're on one road and end up in another place. How can you know? You can know by inviting Him into your heart. 
and you know if there's been a change in your life. And for some of you, maybe you said the prayer, but today it just needs to be, you need an encounter. And by raising your hand, you're saying, God, I give you permission to come on the inside and change me. So if you need a relationship with God, if you want to make sure you're going to heaven, if you want to get things right with God, you hold your hand up right now, and we're going to pray for you. I see your hand and your hand back there. I see ladies and men holding their hand up. And let's say this prayer together. You can kneel, you can stand, whatever you want to do. But everybody in this room, we're saying a prayer to give God the permission to come in and change our life. Say, Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I invite you. I give you permission to come into my life. I want to choose life. I'm tired of death. Jesus, come into my life. Help me follow you and fill me with your spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, that I can live a committed life and live in the city of, of confidence. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet. Before we go, there's got a couple things happen. I want the fathers to stick around here. We got a gift for you. So fathers, stick around. The rest of you kind of make your way back. We are going to have an altar team here. But if you raised your hand in a minute, when this service is over, would you go meet me at the cross? I got a little packet I want to give you because we want to help you make this walk. We want to help you stay on this road, not on the other road. And here's the other thing. I said this last service. There's some of you that got, the, again, those very things you thought were going to make you free or put you in bondage. We have a great group called Celebrate Recovery. If you feel anything's bigger than God, just it's pride. It could be drugs. It could be addictions. It could be, you know, a, a bad relationship. They meet on Friday night. There's about 70 of them here Friday. And I'm telling you, to help people walk this out because we need each other. We really do. Okay, fathers, you're up here. The last little story. There was a bullfighter in Spain, a very well-known one. There was a newspaper article on him. His name was, uh, his name was Jose Cabrera. And it showed some pictures in this magazine how he had stabbed this bull a bunch of times. It's got the lances sticking out of it. And then it shows another picture where he does the final thrust. I mean, and it drops this bull. And of course, the fans are going crazy. He steps up ahead of the bull and turns his back to the bull. He's got his hands in the air. He's excited. Man, there's victory. He didn't know that bull had one more breath left in it. It hops to its feet, true story, gores him in the middle of the back. They both die in a pool of blood. What's the point? Some of you in this room got your back turned because of compromise. And you know, as brothers, we need to look at one another and say, I got your back. You know, look at one of your guys, say, I got your back. Look at somebody else and say, I got your back. You know, we need to just help each other. And some of you know some people in here. Some of you are fairly new. You need to put yourself in position to get to know some of these other men. You know, we'll have some men's breakfast coming up. But get in a connect class starting next month. You know, start to, start to get around. Help serve, and that's a great way to get to know people. Say, hey, I'll help us or something. But we need each other's backs, don't we? We can do this thing. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, make your way around. Turn around. Be sure to get you a gift before you go for all the fathers. And the altars are open. We'll sing once more through. If you need to go, go ahead and dismiss yourself. But we're going to have an altar here. If you want prayer for something, some of you men might want to hang around. There might be some men that want some prayer. We're going to pray for you. Amen. Good day today.
Let's believe God doesn't finish what he started here. I believe he did something in the hearts of us men. And let's continue to build on that. Amen. God bless you. Altars are open. I'll meet you at the cross if you raise your hand. Cause you're a good, good father. Cause who you are. Cause who you are. Cause who you are. I'm a love for you. Cause who I am. Cause who I am. Cause who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who.